Hello, and welcome to the Running Hook Podcast, hosted by Alex Burr, a member of the Running Hook Podcast Network. to another edition of the Running Hook Podcast. I am once again, five minutes after we recorded the last one, after we finished the last one, excuse me, once again joined by Caleb Lynn. Caleb, it's been a while since we talked. How are you doing? It's been like six months, right? I mean, it's just been, it's just been so incredibly long. Um, you know, I don't think we've done a podcast since the bubble. So it, it's, it's been, it's been a, it's been really good, Alex. And uh you know, I'm living life. I'm, I'm seeing all this news in the NBA and, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't wait to uh, get into some draft and, and, and fits and, and all that uh, comes about from that. If you're listening to this, you surely know that pretty recently Caleb and I just did a, a podcast breaking down <laughs> all the recent moves in the NBA before. We just did a great podcast. That's just did a, a phenomenal podcast. It was, it was really good. <laughs> it was really good. And I'm pretty sure, I'm looking. I'm looking at the um, schedule. Like I'm looking at the podcast feed right now. I'm pretty sure we just did a, we did a podcast together pretty recently, anyway. But it's a dynamic duo, Alex. What it it really, really is. You know, you're. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what our dynamic is, but it it's something. It it, it is. It is. <laughs> it sure is something. So we're gonna be on this one since this one can probably come out a little later than the rest of them since the season. Sure. Is gonna be. You know, it's not very far away it starts about it starts actually a month from sunday (laughs) as crazy as that is to say wild yeah but with this one we're going to break down the draft prospects the ones that i'm intrigued by and caleb knows infinitely more about college basketball than i did so that's why that's why i brought him on here today that's that was the real reason we we convened and we just happened (laughs) to talk about free agent stuff for an hour beforehand so that's that's the real reason we convened today so the draft happened this last Wednesday before we're recording. So we yeah. know all we talked about all the moves beforehand, like Ubre and stuff. If you want to hear analysis on that, go check that out. Um, Dylan and I will be reconvening next Wednesday to talk about any other big free agent moves. So if that's we'll we'll wait till Wednesday, wait till all the dust settles. But uh. it's gonna be it's gonna be a big week, Caleb. It's gonna be a big week. But let's let's get big started week. on the draft, guys. Yeah. And the baby. first guy, the first guy I want to know about. Is Patrick Williams. Patrick, Patrick Williams to me is an interesting case, right? Yes. Because based on everything that I know, which isn't much, it seems like sure. he's got a lot of good skills. And I know that Florida State, Florida State to me, from what I've gleaned, is a program that plays its top guys usually about mm-hmm. 28 minutes a game, right? They play about like 10 or 11 there. guys. Yep. So what is Patrick Williams' deal? Like, what is he actually good at? And yeah. sure. Should I like were I to become a Bulls fan again through some twist of fate, uh-huh. <laughs> how much would I be? Do you think I would be enamored with the final product of Patrick Williams? Here's what, here's what I'll say. If, if I'm looking at it, you know, I'll, I'll dive into Patrick Williams and then I'll dive into the fit. So the thing to note about Patrick Williams is Patrick Williams was a freshman last year. Okay. He, you know, was a guy coming out of high school, very talented. Uh, now, if you look at the stats, Alex, you're honestly not going to be that wowed. Uh, nine points, four rebounds, one steal, one block. That's not wowing. Uh, but, but it was good. He, he did, you know, he was able to get all freshmen 
uh, in the ACC, which is probably the best conference in college basketball. And you have a, a guy who just has very complimentary aspects to his game. Uh, I would not say he's going to wow you for 20 points, uh, but you know, I, I think he's got a lot of things that you like in terms of he can, he can shoot it. Okay. He has very good defensive potential. And that's a big reason I think that Chicago and really the whole NBA liked him is right. he had a chance to really grow into a three and D into a guy who can guard one through four and, and could be really, really good there. Cause the other thing to note, Alex is he was sixth man at ACC and he was able to do that and, and, and get the sixth man of the year. And, and so, you know, and, and, and it's, to me, this was just a move that uh, they liked for versatility purposes. Now, if I'm going to talk about his fit on the bulls specifically, I want to say when I think of the Chicago Bulls, okay, when I think of the Chicago Bulls, I believe that the Chicago Bulls needed him, needed him so bad. They needed a guy to, you know, to basically be this, this three who can guard a lot of guys. Because if you really think about it, like I'm looking through the Bulls roster right now looking at all the forwards on their roster, any guy who's listed as a forward, Felicio Gafford, Shaq Harrison, uh, Chandler Hutchison, um, which to all due respect, like they need more from Hutchison. They need more from Valentine. And those guys just do not, they're not good. And now that you have a guy in Patrick Williams who can do everything that those guys can't do, He's going to play, and I think it's very possible he plays in their rotation immediately, starts off as the bench. Um, Otto probably will stay uh, for maybe a year or so, so you can see Williams develop uh, into something later down the line. Don't expect him to be like immediate starter for Chicago, but I, I could see him be a very nice rotational piece. And it's the first move, Alex, that actually proves that the Bulls are looking to understand the modern NBA. I mean, that's that's a damning statement. But, I mean, Markkanen, I still don't know why they picked him seventh. I still, for the life of me, couldn't understand that. And I you know he's a good scorer. But, like, you need more, right? Carter was a good pick. I'll give them Carter, right? I Like, looking down at the rest of the draft, I understand why they took him over everybody, including MPJ. But, I don't know. Carter, Carter to me, I'll, I'll bounce back off of that. Because Carter, you know, was... Alex, are you telling me that Chicago did not need uh, Donovan Mitchell in 2017? Or they couldn't have used a, a piece like that or uh, at, no. at seven? I'm saying I'm saying 2017 was unjustifiable, okay? Uh, 2017, okay, okay. I'm saying 2017 was unjustifiable. Okay. 20, 2018, though, like, I mean, MPJ... Um, I think that's the only guy that will probably end up being better than Wendell pick past him, which is saying something, right? I do like Carter though. I like I'd re- like I'd have rather had Luke Kennard on the Bulls than Lowry, right? So I they needed they need wing depth, and I think the new GM from Denver will understands that, right? Wings are the most hard position to find, and it sounds like this guy is full of potential. It sounds like a he's lot. full of a lot of potential. A lot. So that's good. Card. Yep. But we always have to remember that sometimes guys never, a lot of times guys never reach their potential. That's exactly right. So, okay. Before we move on to the next guy, what percent chance would you give 
Williams of reaching his potential. He's tricky. Um, I'll go low. I'll go like. I'll go like thirty, because I, I think the tricky part with with Williams is. I think in the NBA, you have to have some sort of threat offensively. And I I am concerned that Williams is not going to be a threat enough offensively to make him worth three and D starter down the line. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, Let's move on to the next guy because there's there's a lot of guys that I found intriguing and we have a tendency to be long winded. So let's go ahead and move on to the next guy. My next guy is Tyrese Halliburton who was drafted by the Kings. I feel like I heard a lot about Tyrese Halliburton. You sure did, baby. And so, so is he more of a plug and play guy? Is he more of a potential guy? What is, what is Tyrese Halliburton's deal? Basically? Uh, What is, what is Tyrese Halliburton? Well, well, Alex, I, uh, I have an opinion on Halliburton. Okay. uh, I really like for them. Okay. And I want you to hear me out when I say this. Okay. Okay. Just send Bogdanovich. Just, just kick him out. Literally, wow. just, just bounce him. I, I think wow. there's a legitimate potential to have a backcourt of Fox, Halliburton, healed at the three, and that be your long-term piece moving forward. Wow. Get what you can for Bogdanovich. Get what you can. Uh, but I'm huge on Halliburton. This, this is a guy, Alex, that I think can give you a lot of playmaking. Um, which I think De'Aaron Fox is a very good, he's a good playmaker, but I definitely think that it's, it's somewhat unnatural for him. It feels at times. Halliburton, I think gives you a little bit more of that coming out of Iowa state. The kids got a lot of talent with his handles. Um, he's going to give them two pretty good guards now to handle the ball. I think Buddy Heald isn't going to have to worry about handling the ball or anything like that. He's just going to have to worry about scoring. Um, I also thought that I'm going to go a little deep dive here, but I also thought they made a couple really nice draft picks in Jahemius Ramsey and Robert Woodward as well. And so I think the Kings have a purpose. And honestly, like I could see them end up with a pretty nice rotation where they get off of some guys, bring in some rookies in. Uh, but I'm big on Halliburton, Alex. I, I would not be surprised if he comes in in his immediate impact. Um, if I was the Kings, that's what I'm doing, especially because Bogdanovich is going to want a lot of money. So I, I, I really like this pick. This was a guy that should not a lot of a lot of people did not think Halliburton would fall into a point like that he did. I think a lot of people thought he'd get like eight to 10. Now you're looking at him outside of the top 10. That's a steal. You know, I understand a lot of people think Sacramento's strengths are the guards, right? Understandably so. Uh, but I also think Sacramento's looking at the long term and saying, is it worth having to pay Deer and Fox next year? You're already paying Buddy Heald. You're paying Harrison Barnes $20 million and Bogdanovich. It's fair to say you probably need to get rid of one of those guys. Bogdanovich is already on that free agency year. Get what you can for him. Bring in Halliburton. I think he's going to be really good for them, Alex. So, okay, last question before we move on off of the Kings. How good do you think Halliburton will be off the bat? Like, do you think he's going to be – Yeah. Do you think they can plug and play him and he can not match Bogdanovich's production because Bogdanovich was good last year. But do you think he can do, like, Bogdanovich's rookie year production of, like, 10 points, a couple assists, a couple rebounds? Like, do you think that's possible for him? Sure, why not? 
Yeah, I think if the Kings, I think if the Kings, um, I mean, the the big thing to underline with them is just coaching, right? It, the coaching is always inconsistent there. So if they can develop him right, um, they use the time. Uh, he just has a skill set, Alex, at 6'5", that I just think the Kings really haven't ever had. And he, he's got a chance to give you this unique guard play I honestly think that you could see deer and Fox off the ball more mm. this season, which is going to be very intriguing. Halliburton's a very good ball handler. Does not like turn, does not turn the ball over. Fox would be a legitimate piece to keep an eye on now with Halliburton there. Just not because you're going to move on from him. You're, you're, you might even pay him the max after he gets to the session. But this is a guy that, you know, he could easily become more of an off-the-ball threat. And I like what that could be for Sacramento down the line. Yeah, and it sounds like – it seems like that was one of the steals of the draft, getting him that low, right? Like, it seems like – like, the Pistons, to me, made a lot of sense for him from what I understood of his skill set. Yeah, But going with Killian so. Hayes – you know, from what I understand about him, that doesn't seem like a bad gamble for a team that's going to be really no, bad. No. And I mean, Sacramento, realistic or not, has playoff aspirations next year. So getting anyone they that do. can help them in the draft, I think that was probably a bigger concern for them than potential. Because Halliburton, yeah. Halliburton, a junior or a senior? Um, well, the thing the thing with Halliburton that's that's interesting is he's actually he's actually a he's actually younger. Uh, than what you think the oh. dude he's actually younger than what you think correct me if I'm wrong so he he is a junior but I think he's he's a player that I didn't expect uh, to be a junior he has this at the athleticism and potential in, to where I almost look at him as a underclassman than I do as an upperclassman and I think the other thing with Sacramento that's really interesting and kind of why I thought they were somewhat interesting to draft is Alex, I don't think they were looking for one specific thing at the draft. I think they were like, oh, whatever's available, I'll take. Because they just, let's just face it, they, they, just, they just need some NBA talent. They just need NBA depth talent. The Kings needed it either down low, right? You know, Bagley, you can make an argument they needed down low. You can make an argument that they needed at the perimeter. They just went and got a guy who I think fit perfectly into the value for them. Really think he's got a chance to be good. Giving me a percentage on Alberton to be like what I think he can be. Uh, again, I think you made a great point. You can't always bet that the rookie will um, meet the potential, uh, but I'll definitely raise it higher than Patrick Williams. I, I think you're looking at a, a 45. Mm. Uh, I, I think I think I, I really I like this kid. I like this kid. I think as as long as he is developed under the right ways, uh, I think De'Aaron Fox um, needs. And I'm not even saying this as a shot. I think if De'Aaron Fox plays off the ball, Sacramento's legit. And I, I'm because I, I, I think that's an aspect of Fox's game that I don't think the NBA has seen. That I'm kind of curious to see how that would work. You know, I, I like what Fox could be off the ball if they choose to do that. That seemed to be one of the things Bogdanovich helped with, right? Was yeah. handling the ball a little bit. I mean, having an actual other NBA point guard, right? Like, no offense to Corey Joseph or 
you know, Yogi, I mean, I guess offense to Yogi Ferrell, but <laughs> no, I'd say offense to Corey Joseph for Yogi Ferrell. I mean, Paid. Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph was good before. Ridiculous, Alex. Come the contract, like, I mean, you have to overpay to get to Sacramento, but even I don't think anyone would have paid that for Corey Joseph in 2008. Heavens, no, heavens, no. <laughs> that was that was a really bad contract. Yeah, um, that's all. I'm I think I think yeah. they have a team. I think they have a team option in the third year, so I think that makes it better. Um, yeah. but. I mean, having another guy to ball handle next to next to Fox is going to be huge because I think Fox is really underrated as a playmaker for, personally. But having he is very underrated as a playmaker. Like having someone to help him with that, I think that'll right. I think that'll be really be really good for Fox. But let's in the yeah. interest again of brevity, sure. <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to to the Knicks first round pick, Obi Toppin. So Obi Toppin to me seemed very scrutinized in the draft. And Dylan and I kind of laughed at the Knicks for taking another power forward in the draft, but realistically, how good can Obi Toppin be for the Knicks? This is a move that, I I, I mean, it's weird because you're probably not going to have fans, but this is a move where it's a story move. Obi Toppin's from New York. Obi Toppin has always had the dream. You know, if you you followed his career, um, struggled to even get a college offer in the D one area. He just was struggling in high school. He had tough grades weren't there. Um, and then he just really developed blossomed in his prep high school, senior year grew an in inches significantly gets to Dayton was decent his first couple of years. And then obviously um, his, you know, he came out last year and played big and a prime example of a guy who needed the NCAA tournament. You know, that's a spotlight, you know, like Alex, I mean, I think it's fair to say for you or even somebody like Hughes, you know, like for you guys specifically, I mean, when you guys get to see these, you're turning on the NCAA tournament, you're turning it on. Right. So, you know, when you can see a guy like top and play uh, it's national spotlight and he never really gets that at Dayton, but this was a kid that was in the player that you conversation all year and got that award because that's how good and talented of a player he is. And, you know, you, you are, you're off Bobby Portis. Okay. You're mm-hmm. off Todd Gibson. Uh, so you're, you are eliminating depth. I think the other thing to really keep an eye on is I think Obi Toppin has potential. I think he could be a small forward if, mm. if correctly used. I think he, he has the ability to, to work as a three uh, a little bit uh, because I, you know why Alex and I, I know Dylan Hughes isn't a fan, but I think Julius Randle allows Obi Toppin to be a three. And I think that, you know, his unique uh, passing uh, out of Randle, his ability to uh, just mix and match his offensive game will be beneficial for slashing and cutting, uh, which is what I think Toppin will excel at. He's got a great frame to do that. I mean, tremendous uh, radius, you know, if I'm a point guard, you know, if I'm RJ Barrett, you know, I can throw it a lot of different places to where he can catch and finish. So I, I think Toppin's got a chance to be pretty solid here, but it's the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks suck. They rot when it comes to drafting. So I don't want to put him at a very high percentage, but do I like Obi Toppin as a player? Yes. It's just the New York Knicks suck. And I, 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 I don't think they know how to develop. And so I think that's a big problem. Yeah. Um, one thing I heard about on top of before we move on is that sure. his defense is really lacking. Um, hmm. How do you see his defense translating? Like, do you think that there, yeah. he can ever be a plus defender? That's a legitimate question with Toppin. Um, I mean, 
<laughs> I think with Toppin defensively, the concerns are absolutely there um, because they they need him to be better on D. They they need him. To, the Knicks are going to need him to be better. But there is a lot to like in terms of length that I think uh, could give him some opportunities. Uh, because I think the other thing with him is there is potential to be a position, you know, versatility defender, a guy who has some some switches and and things like that that could you know really excel him. Uh, but but I'm not crazy on him being a plus plus defender. I think he'll be. I think he has a chance to be average around the average or just slightly above it, but that's okay because I think it's tough to even get average in the NBA, Alex, and he's got a skill set to get average. And I mean, with how good he's projected to be at scoring, I mean, if you're an average defender, that's, that's fine. That's okay. Yep. I mean, better than Kevin Knox, that's for gosh dang sure. Better than uh, Kevin Knox on D. I saw something where it was one of the draft profiles of Kevin Knox coming into the draft. And the only plus was his age and the minus was everything else. Everything. <laughs> he sucked. <laughs> I, 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 Kevin Knox is a miserable. Oh, he's miserable. And Toppin's going to give Toppin's got a chance and he's built to be a guy who can play a little bit more. Hey, so. that's one thing about the bulls. At least they didn't draft that guy. <laughs> Fair. Fair point. Fair point. I mean, that's Very fair point. That's something for sure. Um, Are you telling on. me you're not impressed with uh, six points a game, three rebounds, and 33% from the three-point line, Alex? <laughs> I mean, you know what? Given the Supermax, that's, that's all I have to say. Um, next guy, Isaac Okoro for the Cavs. This, to me, was an interesting Ooh. pick because yeah, it, is. it seemed to fill a need for the Cavs, right? The Cavs are guard central right now. They have Garland and Sexton. Who knows how they're going to fit together? Yes, but. Sir. Dylan and I talked about this before. Their only wing before seemed to be Chevy Osmond, who is fine as a player, but <laughs> I don't think I'd want him as anything more than an eighth man. So how do you feel about the Orco- o- the Okoro fit in Cleveland? Well, well, I I, I really liked I I I really liked Okoro uh coming out of college and even in high school, uh when he first got into the league and, and adjusted into the, the roster. I, I I think he's got a chance to be really good and I mean, like you said, I think you hit it on the nail. If you look at their small forward situation, it is not good. Um, I would emphasize the first name uh, when it comes to Osman because I don't think he's a very good player. And I also think that when you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, it, it's it's a team that is desperate to get some wing. And it's desperate to get defense. Okoro gives you one, th- it gives you decent, decent versatility. It's a huge deal that they got Okoro considering the Kevin Porter situation and how yeah. that could look. Uh, because at this point, Alex, I'm looking at their, their guards and, and like small forwards. Uh, I want to list them off to you. So you got Lamar Stevens on a two way, Dylan Widler. You got, I'm not counting Porter, Colin Sexton, Seti, Dante Exum. Alfonso McKinney. I totally there forgot. Is, uh, it's, it's, it is mis. I mean, they are abysmal. Any piece at that three spot is better than um, what they definitely have. I think he's already better than Osman and, and Osman, and he hasn't even played a minute. I think this is a, a guy who really doesn't have a choice, uh, but to be an immediate impact. And I think he can be. 
I think he can be, but he has guards, Alex, who uh, can piss you off in the sense of they don't know how to pass. And they, they, if they, if they, you know, if Darius Garland can be what a lot of people thought he would be, which was a pass first point guard, then it, he, he can work. But the guards in Garland and Sexton have to understand that they can do other things on the court besides shoot. And they have to trust Okoro's cutting and slashing. Uh, I think he's got a chance to be, I, I in fact, I know uh, he'll be a player that impacts them early on. And I think that Cleveland just needed to get a three in any way, shape or form. So, okay. First off, I want to, I want to give you a little, I want to give you a little applause. Okay. Sure. That Shetty Osmond pun was, was pretty funny. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give, I'll give you that. That was, that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but you didn't expect that one from me, Alex, did you? You didn't no, expect me to go there with it, did you? <laughs> no, I really didn't. I, I'm kind of shocked, frankly. Um, another thing is, I totally forgot Dante Exum was on the Cavs. <laughs> I totally like. That's how long this year has been. I totally Dante forgot Dante Exum, top five talent of high school. Dante Exum, Alex. Dante. <laughs> hey, he's a good defender. He just doesn't do much else. I mean, he had a 28-point game against the Timberwolves. Shows you how bad the Timberwolves are. Um, well, Jordan McLaughlin, Alex. Jordan McLaughlin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this is, to me, an interesting fit. So, one last question before we move on. Sure. How does his shooting fit into Cleveland? Like, the defense has been exalted, but is Okoro, like, do you think he can pass as a shooter? Like, I don't know what he shot from college. It's fair. But- um, I mean, his three-point percentage was definitely not ideal. Um, it, it was in the, yeah, it was actually in the 20s, a 29% from three, but he didn't even take more than one three. He didn't even take a three mm. in college. Everything he did was very off the dribble. Uh, but, again, but Alex, again... I would like to emphasize that it's the Cleveland Cavaliers and they don't have this. Oh, they, they need their three to be a shooter in order to make them valuable. That's fair. I mean, they are so bad that you could argue Alex out of like any position and position depth on any team in the NBA, the single worst Position and positional depth is the Cleveland Cavaliers at small forward. So, the, so they definitely need to get just some piece in Cleveland. Okoro is some piece. He's a top five guy. He was a good player at high school. He's been very good for Auburn. So I am very high on what Okoro will be for the Cavs. As like I said earlier, you can emphasize uh, the first name of Osman. I mean, I would have argued that I would have rather had Shetty Osmond in Oklahoma City than literally any of the guys they tried it out there. I think you can make that argument. Uh, you can, he would have been an upgrade. I'll, 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 uh, once again, I'll emphasize the first name on you, Alex. I'll emphasize it. <laughs> God. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to a, a guy I think that's an interesting fit. And the guy I told you before I wanted on the Bulls is Onyeka and Kangwu on the on the Atlanta yeah. Hawks. Yeah. I probably butchered the pronunciation of that name, but I, li- I like the way he plays. Um, uh, yeah. What yeah. do you like about a Kongwu? What I like. A, yeah. I, you know, when I first saw the pick, I'm not going to lie. I, I sat there to myself and said, well, I think they're going to make a trade because I don't really understand why you would take Onyeka if you have John Collins and you have Clint Capella and he's a top 10 guy 
he's 16 and nine coming out of college. Three point percentage. Once again, he doesn't shoot them. 25% point one threes. He didn't even really shoot at all from three. So you're going to have to get something out of him from three. Uh, if you want to keep him with Collins and Capella. Um, but in terms of the talent itself, yeah, I'm a big fan because he is a lob guy. He is a pick and roll guy. Uh, he can defend guys, you know, down low pretty effectively. It's never a bad thing to have depth. Uh, but I guess I think he will always be handicapped if John Collins and Clint Capella are still there. And so I guess to the NBA guy in this in this podcast, my question would be for you, if you have a Kung Wu, and you picked him in the top 10 and you like him because he's given you 16 and nine and you think he's a lob guy, any chance Collins or, or Capella gets moved to another team so that you can free up potential minutes for a Kongu or do you, how, how do you see Collins and Capella on the Hawks in the long term? So, okay. Collins has just seemed like he's going to get traded, right? It just seems like he doesn't fit there for whatever reason. I don't know why he's a good player. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, Collins, though, I feel like you can make it work. Collins shot 40% from three last year. I really like Collins. Um, yeah. As for the, how Okongwu would fit, I would have to imagine that he plays backup center behind behind Capella. Right? For a couple years. Yeah. For a couple years. And then Capella is going to age out of it, whatever. Um, yeah, I would have to imagine that's how that goes. I would think if they trade any of them, it'd be Collins. I mean, Collins to me. <sighs> Man. I don't know how good he is. <laughs> and that's kind of a problem, right? Like he's a good player, but yeah. I mean, on that shitty team, he only ever he averaged twenty one points a game last year. But he did get he got suspended for PEDs. Yeah, I know, and that's a suspended. legit. That's a big deal. Yeah, he got suspended for PEDs. He only played sixty one games in twenty nineteen. He played seventy four games in twenty eighteen, but. I don't know. I think it's a legitimate concern. Like I don't really like. We've only seen really. Not counting his rookie year, we've only really seen a hundred games from him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And rookie seasons are mostly a wash a lot of the time, right? He like he only averaged he averaged ten point five points, seven point three rebounds, two point four offensive rebounds, which is encouraging. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. if he could like if he could do, he played half a season this year, right? He only played forty one games. Yes. Or last year, I should say. If he yep. could do twenty one, a block and a half, ten rebounds. In 2.8 offensive rebounds a game for a whole season, that's a pretty damn valuable player at the four. Def, yeah, I just, definitely so. It feels like Collins can't play five. And I feel like that's one of the, the problems, right? Like The it, problems, he's, yeah. He's way too skinny. And Okongwu is already 10 pounds. Like, I'm, I just looked him up, right? Okongwu is already 10 pounds heavier yeah, than Collins. Yeah, he, he's got good body for, for the right. NBA down low. So yeah. this is where I wanted to go with Okongwu. Okay. I'm not talking about an offense. Sure. But on defense, could you see him doing, feeling a kind of bam at a bio role for the Hawks? Wow. Um, wow. I mean, I don't think he'll get close to that stratosphere, but I know that's a player that he looks up to. That's for sure. Um, and, and I think he will look to do that. Uh, but, you know, in terms of comparing him to bam, I, I, I definitely don't want to go there, but I mean, like, when it, the similar role, I should say, right? Like being able to oh, do yeah. similar yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like in his first couple seasons, Alex, when Bam was in was in, was in Miami, you were never really. He was like, oh, that's a good player. You know, he fits well. He was, but you wouldn't consider him a star. 
You right. just say he's a really good rotation player. Yeah, I can see Okungwu be that type of guy. But I'll tell you, Alex, when it comes to Atlanta, I was honestly, when it comes to the bigs, and I mean, I, I you know, hearing out the bigs, I honestly thought they could have maybe gone with like a shooting guard to give him some shooting. Uh, but with Okungwu, you know, he he's going to give them – I think I can see where you're going with Bam. The first couple seasons of Bam, uh, that makes a lot of sense for a Kongu. I think he he has a chance to give you that kind of versatility, very talented big guy uh, who can just fit in very well on 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 D. That's a that's really I think why the Hawks wanted him is just to get some better depth because they had Dwayne Dedman and. Um, I'm not the biggest Alex Lund guy, so when it comes to the Hawks, I, I just think this is a. This is a good move for depth, but if you want to make him a legitimate piece to your team, I guess that's why I wanted to ask you that question on Collins and Capella and how do you see them in the long term. So I think if he can give you some good minutes, which I believe he can, yeah, this is a good pick. And I'm looking at Bam's cleaning the glass right now, right? Because I would be lying to you if I said that I watched a whole lot of Miami Heat in 2019, right? I had other priorities. Last year was like one of the first years I really dove into the league and I noticed Bam. But... In twenty, in his second year, he was he, the Heat were two point six better points, two point six points per hundred better when Bam was playing on the court on defense. Right, right, and like that's not a small thing for a second year player, right? This year they were three point one points better when he was on defense. His differential was four point seven overall. Exactly. So. I don't know, Bam. I I know it's a high lofty expectation, right? But if he can play, a, if he can be yeah. Bam, like like Bam Light, mm-hmm. like I think that sure. there's there's something to be said for that, right? Like Diet Bam, yeah. you know, some, something like that, like some variation something like of that. It. Like yeah. on defense, at least on offense, the Hawks don't need that skill set. Exactly. The Heat are different because they don't have a traditional point guard in the way that the Hawks do. Trey Young. Yep. That's something. I also thought the Hawks would have been really well served going for a a backup point guard at some point, but also I don't know how many I trust coming out of the draft. Well, Halliburton uh, would have yeah. probably been a good pick for the Hawks. Or Neesmith or Neesmith as a potential two guard who could shoot, you know, to give some uh, minutes for, for the Hawks. I, I thought that could have been a potentially interesting guy. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Good points. So let's move on now to your boy, Jalen Smith. Oh my. That's your boy. You got, you got drafted to the Suns. Dreamy fit. So, Let's just let's just go there. How? Oh yeah, let's. Like, go. how do you like him behind DeAndre Ayton? Like, oh, he's gonna, I love it. Like, so let me let me just ask. <laughs> he's gonna come in and play right away. I'm yes, assuming, right. So um, how, how do you see him yeah. fitting in? Well, the thing the thing with Smith is he has for what I love about him is he will do anything you want in terms of offense. He's a guy that will come in and give you some post steps. He'll give you some shooting. He gives you shot blocking. He, I mean, he, he's just, he's incredible. I mean, last year, Alex, third in the country with double doubles, 21, fourth in the league in, in the Big Ten in field goal percentage, 37% from three-point range. That is legit. And the Phoenix Suns need all of that. They need a big man who can shoot. They need a big man who can help shot block. And they need to give DeAndre Ayton less pressure. I texted you this. I'll keep saying this. I don't really understand why you have Dario Saric. If you can potentially have a guy like Jalen Smith, who I think, you know, could really open up some things for the Suns. And I am a big, big 
fan of this pick. Now, I am curious, Alex, you know, as somebody who does follow the NBA here, spin your top, spin it a little bit. I mean, do you think this means Aaron Baines is just going to be done because Smith is more of this um, four five esque? I would not say five is a strong suit. Do you think that Baines will go somewhere else in your opinion because of this draft movement? Because I like Baines, and I, I honestly think, and again, I, I have been ham, hammering Dario Sarge get out of town. I think if you have Jalen Smith and Aaron Baines, I think that's a really good complimentary front court. So do you see any chance of that? So I think the Suns, first of all, Sarge, another one where we heavily disagree. I thought Sarge played really well in the bubble. And I thought as a backup center, right, as a backup five, like Dario Sarge's destiny was always going to be Boris Diaw 2.0, right? Or some some equivalent of that, right? Like just the next evolution of Boris. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that seems to be where he's going, right? Like, yeah, it took him a while. Cause we're all like, Oh wow. This European guy can pass and shoot. And it, it, he's better off the bench. Right. Like that's just, there's nothing wrong with that. Boris Dia made his, you know, Boris Dia reclamated his career at the end, but he made his whole career coming off the bench basically. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So Baines to me is a intriguing free agent option for like teams that strike out, right? Like if the Clippers miss out on a Baca, Baines is a great fit right behind Zubak. You know, if the Celtics yeah. miss out on favors or Thompson, Baines going back there would be a great Baines fit. Baines would be great. Right. Yep. Like Baines to me is a guy that just makes sense in a lot of places. And sure. I, I don't think he's going to be in Phoenix next year with his draft pick. Um, That's fair. And if they keep Sarich, right? Like you don't really need Baines. Baines didn't even play in the bubble. I don't think, um, I don't think you need Baines, Sarich, Jalen Smith, and DeAndre Ayton. That's, just, that's way too much, right? Uh, yeah, I agree. Even though Aaron, like Aaron Baines, the way he played just through the whole of the regular season, earned himself, you know, a starting spot in the league because sure. he played he played really well while DeAndre Ayton was out. Yep. But yeah, we'll we'll agree to disagree on Saric, but I think Baines is Baines isn't long for Phoenix. Not not yeah. because they don't want him. <laughs> sure. Sure. Because I think the reason I would I would just wanted to get your opinion on that is I really like the inside outside of Smith. I think Baines is a good inside outside game as we've seen over the last couple of years. And and I just think, you know, he is a I mean, Jalen Smith can play defense. Um, there's no I think he 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 came out. I mean, a stat that NBA put out. He allowed point six, seven points per post up possession, uh, held his own against some of the best back. You know, and I understand back to the basket isn't a huge thing in the NBA, but it does again show you can you play down low defense? Can you can you stay ground? Uh, he certainly has that capability to do that. Um, he's been as talented of a player uh, for a lot of teams. You know, top ten finalist player of the year. I mean this this was a this is one of my favorite players in the draft, and this is one of my favorite teams heading into this year making a pick that I really like. Yeah, no doubt. The Suns are going to be really high on everyone's hype train, and rightfully so. They're going to parlay their bubble success into probably a bigger – it's going to be interesting to see where the Suns go, but let's exactly. move on to the let's move on to the next guy in the interest of time. And the Spurs sure. drafted Devin Vassell out of Florida State. I heard, I heard a lot about this guy too. I listen to a lot of Warriors podcasts, so that's, that's the reason why I hear about a lot of these guys. But Devin Vassell seemed like a, a good player. What are this – are the Spurs getting a redundant kind of guy – since they already have Lonnie Walker and DeJounte and Derek White, or is he going to be able to do other stuff than those guys? Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, I think 
you know, I, I have an opinion on Vassal. Uh, okay. I think he needs to be bigger. He's 180, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, that's, that's, that's Justin Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the Spurs are incredibly loaded in the perimeter. Derek White, John D. Murray, Lonnie Walker, Bryn Forbes. You know, they've got talent there. Kelton Johnson, they have a lot of talent. DeRozan. My hope for Vassal, I'm very curious to hear your opinion on this. My hope for Vassal is that he can still grow, that he can get to like 6'8", that he can get a little bit more pounds in him, and he's your eventual Rudy Gay replacement. Because you, if you can get off, I mean, Gay is, is, is getting a little bit older. Very good, good player. Good player. Not saying you just move on from Rudy Gay. Good player. But if you have a, an opportunity to give Vassal some little bit more development, I, I still think he's growing a little bit in his body. Um, now, he was an all-ACC guy. He came in, really stepped it up for them. I think he has a decent three. I'm not going to go out to Wazoo and say he can absolutely light it up. But he did shoot four uh, threes for them a game, 42% from threes. Again, selective, but showed some promise. Um, I, to me, Alex, I, I could see him turn out to be a really nice three, four swing piece if he continues to grow in his body. But if he is just a six, six shooting guard, you have plenty of those. So right. I think they're hoping that he can grow into his body and become a Rudy Gay esque player for the Spurs in the long term. Rudy Gay's uh, like you're talking about Rudy Gay currently, right? Like not like yes, not Memphis yes. Rudy Gay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So I was gonna say Memphis Rudy Gay. A that's not a Spurs player, but it sounds like the Spurs were all in on Patrick Williams, and obviously, if they the Spurs liked him high, for a while, if the Spurs are high on somebody, then he's not gonna follow them. But yeah, um, yeah, I think that's really the question because if you're 180, then you don't fit, right? Unless Lonnie Walker can yeah. play three. Right, and I exactly. Think, I think he can, but I, they have sure. way too many guards. They like, do, and that's what my worry is with Vassal. Right, they they should have probably drafted a forward, but I, I mean, Okongwu would have been perfect for them, but he wasn't going to probably follow them either. There, there is no way Okongwu was going to follow eleven. But let's let's go ahead and move on to the next guy because I feel like we're already running a little long. Well, we'll do the next sure. two together because they're both sure. they were both drafted to the Pistons, and that's gotcha. Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. So let's start with Stewart. Um. What what is special about Stewart? Like why why him at the 16th pick? Um great question. Um his talent level out of high school um was absurd. A lot of people thought he was one of the better big men coming out. Uh shout out uh, to La Lumiere in Indy. That's actually where he mm. played uh his senior year. So he he played at a prep school and he freaking dominated. And a lot of people really like his frame. 6'9" 250. Uh, he runs the crap. He runs that floor like nobody's business. And, you know, Alex, I know you've talked about a lot how you like big men who run the floor. That is something that he will do. Detroit needs to pick up their pace. He allows them to do that as a big who can run the floor, who can do a little bit of stuff. I am a big fan of this pick because I think Detroit is desperate for depth. They are desperate for, for, for big time depth down low on the block. They are, they are a team right now, Alex, that I just struggle to see making a signing back for Christian Wood. I think that is tricky for them because I'm not huge on 
to be honest, I'm not huge at what Wood is being looked at in terms of money. And I just don't think that this is a team that needs Christian Wood. They can get this production from a lot of different players. Like, I mean, Alex, let me, let, okay. So the, the power forwards, on the power forwards and centers on this team. So you got Blake Griffith, John Henson, Thon Maker, um, Thon Maker is an it's, it's, free agent. It's it's not you, but do you know what I'm saying? That's what yeah. you came off of last year. That's a problem. They they need they need a little bit better depth. Stewart's got a big body. Uh, I, I like that pick. Sadiq Bay, a uh, very versatile guy. Six eight, two fifteen. Uh, I think he did, he's a, a jack of all trades. And I, I've noticed that Detroit is really looking for those type of guys. And I would say to an extent. Uh, that is what Seku can be, uh, but I, I like I like what Bay Bay is. Bay is not going to hurt your team. Bay's Bay is probably one of the safer draft prospects in my opinion. So I think Detroit nailed it on the head with both guys. I think both can be pretty good for them. Yeah, it seems like Sadiq Bay. I, I would have drafted him about. I would if I was the Spurs, I would have drafted him. Spurs sure you would have. Sure like, you would have. Yeah. I, you know my overarching philosophy is just draft the guys out of Villanova in Virginia. Yeah, you you definitely. <laughs> but, like I hammer that. Like even Kyle Guy, I think at some point could be a useful NBA player. Like, yeah. like you just got to go through the list, right? Like Mikhail yeah. Bridges. I mean, Mikhail Bridges was a top ten pick, and he was clearly worth that pick. If you did a sure redraft, Mikhail Bridges is yep. probably top seven. Yep. Very so, good. So. Yep. I think NBA teams are ageist, but they got to realize, hey, you know, these 22-year-old guys, like if you're a contender, like the Spurs should have playoff aspirations this year. I'm not saying they will. They probably are not sure. going to make the playoffs, but they should. And not yeah. drafting a guy like Sadiq Bay, that's probably a, a mistake for me. But let's go yeah. ahead and move on to – so I couldn't get through a whole podcast doing a draft recap without going through my guys in Memphis, right? I'm a very known Memphis Grizzlies lover. I, I you uh, could almost say I'm a fan, but I'm not. I'm not gonna. Well, put myself. Yeah, there. you are. Yeah, but yeah. So let's do. <laughs> let's do Desmond Bain out of TCU and Xavier Tillman out of Jaron Jackson School of Michigan State. Um, so let's start with Bain. What are they getting in Bain? What are they getting in Bain? The former Indiana kid himself, uh, who was actually in high school around the Indy area. I I think what you get in Desmond Bain is a, a guy that just fits uh, versatility. He's got it all. He's got a good package uh, to him. Alex, he can shoot. Uh, he last year seven three point attempts, forty four percent from three. Uh, per you know, I think that's a really good thing for Bain. Memphis needs shooting. You've gone into that multiple times. Bain gives you some really good uh, size there at six six two fifteen, like really good size, Alex. I mean, he can easily. I could easily see a guy like Grayson Allen get washed. I could see a guy just come in and Desmond Bain and just be this really good two three uh, who comes in good depth uh, and stability. Alex, I think is the other big thing with, with them because Dylan Brooks is you have gone over and you and Hughes have very up and down player. I think this is a guy that's a little bit more steady in what you're getting. Uh, and so for me, Bain is a, a very, very good fit uh, for Memphis down the line. Now I will make the case right here that I guarantee you Alex, that Jaron Jackson had to call Memphis's front office 10 to 20 times to say, take Xavier Tillman, take Xavier Tillman, take Xavier Tillman. Because this is 
the definition of what the Grizzlies need at five. If you don't want to move Jaron to five, if you're content on Jaron being at the four, you need a five who doesn't need to score, elite defensive player, elite shot blocker. He was that in college, a very good defensive front court guy, shot blocks with good versatility, can stick with guys. Not a Honestly, I'm not even remotely surprised that Tillman went to the Grizzlies. I guarantee you Jaron Jackson called that front office 10 to 20 times. This is a good fit. I, Grizzlies had one of the better drafts in terms of yeah, that's nobody talked like. about him. It, it, nobody talked about him, but they they just got pieces, Alex, that just fit into where they want to go. They they know who they have. They have John Morant. They have Jaron Jackson. How do we compliment them? Get a forty, get a good three point shooter, get a big man who can shot block. Valanciunas, you know that the money is about he's about to dwindle. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. You're close to free agency on Valanciunas. I think he has one year left in his contract. I'll look real quick. Yeah, because if you can get some depth, you know, with Tillman, you can. Now, I don't think Tillman can uh, shoot uh, the way that you would like uh, if you're if you're the. Uh, the Grizzlies. Uh, but I will say that with the guy like Tillman, he can definitely give you uh, some down low presence. Uh, you know, all defensive guy, many, many years uh, was, was, you know, he had, he had 20, he had and this dude, this dude knows what he's doing on that end of the floor. And the problem, Alex, and this is just something to note. He didn't take a whole lot of threes. Uh, he was 26% from the three as a center. Uh, so that's not, ideal but again he only shot two threes a game everything was not really there but I just I really like the defensive fit Alex with with Tillman and I think that's really why Memphis picked him why where they picked him yeah it sounds like a it sounds like a great pick six nine two sixty five that's yeah that's pretty big good. boy big boy uh, he must have came he in the, a, he must have came in the year after Jaron was there it looks like if he was a sophomore yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's still – you got me really excited to watch Grizzlies basketball this year because Desmond Bain sounds like exactly the guy that they needed. Like, they needed yep. to shoot like, – like, I made a dig at Anthony Tolliver, right? Like, he was actually a legitimate help for their team, and that was kind of yeah, the problem, was. right? Yeah. Like, Anthony Tolliver is a fine player, but he's better sure. off as, like, a 10th man. Yeah. Having a guy that can come into your rotation and play D, be a 3 and D wing, that's what they yeah. needed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dylan, Dylan Brooks – is going to be a career bench player, right? Like he's going to be, sure. I'm not going to say he's going to be a Lou Wilkes. He's probably not going to be that consistent, but sure. <laughs> something like akin to that, right? Like a career six yeah. man. Yeah. So you got me very excited for, for Grizzlies basketball in the upcoming season. Good, um, Cause I think those two are good. Let's, let's go ahead and move to the Indiana's only pick since we are an Indiana based podcast, even though you would not accuse us of being a Pacers podcast by any means. <laughs> um, Cash is Stanley. Me. Yeah. Cash Stanley, what are the Pacers? Are the Pacers getting anything in this guy that will be? Do you think that he will actually make any impact on next year's team? Evans, no. Uh, he's he's got a lot to do in terms of development, understanding his body. Um, but he is a guy that a lot of people really really liked as potential second round sleeper. He was a top thirty prospect coming out of high school. Obviously, he went to go play for Coach K was a big recruit there with Vernon Carey and Trey Jones. Thir- about 13 points and five rebounds. Pretty good. 6'6", 195 frame. Um, I will say with Stanley, 
if he was an impact player immediately, he'd be what Edmund Sumner is. Mm. Very, very quick, long, great athleticism, would guard a lot, would, would guard very well. Uh, but I will say that I think offensively, um, he's very athleticism based. Um, and in the NBA, every guy's athletic. So, I mean, you can't, so I think his offense is a major concern, but I I think that defensively he has a chance to be somebody that I really like. And uh, again, you know, could be one of those guys if they feel like they need to move off Sumner, uh, which I would not do that, but if they feel like they need to, um, this is a guy that can do that. I think they're just basically saying he was a top 30 guy out of high school. There's potential there. Let's draft him. You know, and I think that's I think that's all they see there with Cassius, but that's that's just me. So it sounds like the Pacers. <laughs> I like the the athleticism and everyone's athletic in the NBA because it's true. These are the top four hundred fifty players in the league. Yeah, and of the thirty guys picked in the second round, there's a really good chance twenty five of them don't make it out of their rookie contract. Right? Yeah, it's exactly like, right. Yeah, th- that's always the thing about the second round. But yeah. I'll be curious to see. Just it, it, yeah. it's interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where they'll go from here. But let's talk yeah. about the two Kentucky guys. They weren't drafted to the same team, but sure. Emmanuel quickly was drafted to the Knicks, and Tyrese Maxey, I believe, was drafted to the 76ers. Let me double check that just so I'm not talking out of my ass here. But sure. Yes, he was drafted to the 76ers. So the the Kentucky guards are always an interesting proposition, right? Because they can never show their full potential, but what do you think? So let's start with, uh, let's start with Maxi because he was drafted higher. (laughs) Sorry quickly, but um, what do you, is Maxi going to be able to contribute to the 76ers next year? Really like Tyrese Maxi. He's fast as crap. The Sixers are going to want to push the tempo. That's exactly what Tyrese Maxi is. He's a fast player who can get coast to coast. The Sixers, I think could really see him uh, as a nice, piece to 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 kind of give them some scoring to uh give them some quickness uh that they really haven't had in the perimeter uh in my opinion uh Sixers have been basically all Ben Simmons in terms of speed which obviously making this clear Ben Simmons has great speed but I just think if you can get a little bit more that's always a good thing uh he he has the ability to do a little bit of both he can play the one he can play the two uh, six, six wingspan, uh, which I think is really good for a point guard. Uh, he can knock down some shots where you need him. Very high, good, high character guy. Uh, but here's my problem, Alex. Here's my problem. He does have a good shooting stroke, but 30% from three is not what I'm looking for. If I'm Philly, I need shooting. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, if he can develop that three-point shooting, uh, who knows? Uh, but but I, I think he's got a lot of wingspan things that you like. Uh, but, you know, to give Philly credit, Matisse Thibel wasn't known as a great shooter. What does he do? Knock shots down. So, I mean, it could be that Philadelphia can develop Maxi into this really nice, you know, it could be a really nice shooter who can pick up pace for them. And I think that that's all this is. I think Philly really lacked speed in their, in their depth outside of Simmons. And that's all I think Maxi is. He just gives you some very fast pace. Uh, smart pick uh, by Doc. Yeah, it seems like it was a good pick. And so what about Emmanuel quickly? What stands out about him? Was was he on the level? 
of Tyrese Maxey, or did he even deserve to be a first round pick? What do you What do you um, think about Emmanuel quickly? I am mad that he is on the New York Knicks. <laughs> I am wow. mad because there is no way, shape, or form they're using that kid the right way. Um, they they're not they're not going to use him right. He's really good. Re oh god, I bought low on this kid all year. 16 points a game, five rebounds, 43% from the field in terms of the three-point arc. This kid could play, Alex. He, the key for him was he needed playing time last year in 2018 and 2019. He had 18 and a half minutes played in 2019 and 2020. He gets up to 33. This was a kid who stayed the extra year. Most times in Kentucky, you're just a freshman. You're out. Right. Quickly was a player that got you know looked at very highly uh, from out of Maryland, and <laughs> loved the player. Honestly, hate the team. Just what it comes down to. I hate the team because it's a smart pick for the Knicks, but I just don't think the Knicks know how to use players like this. I just don't think they know how to use a guy who can shoot the three and play good defense. I genuinely don't think they know how to use that. And I I just, it bums me out. This pick bums me out because I think quickly what has a chance to be a good player and I don't trust the Knicks development. So I don't think this could go anywhere. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, smart players like that don't deserve to be wasted on the Knicks. <laughs> Heavens no. Um, I mean, hopefully, you know, they can turn it around, right? Yep. But... Sure. We'll see how the we'll see how Tibbs does, right? Because as much as as much guff as we give Tibbs, I mean, he's still every time he coaches, you know, the team plays defense, right? We'll see we'll see how it goes, but it's always a doubt. But I our last my the last guy I wanted to talk about was the guy that the Miami Heat drafted, and I am definitely going to butcher his name. It's Precious Achua. Yeah, nice call. Basically, yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, it's a tough name to pronounce anyway, but. Um, this is, this is a Miami heat player. If I've ever seen one, um, this, this is a guy that, you know, who's going to give you a ton of hustle. Who's going to give you, you know, really good activity, uh, which is always a need for Miami. Every, every, I mean, listen, look, look at this stats right here. Listen to this right here. He gets 16 points a game. He gets 11 rebounds a game. He gets two blocks a game. He gets one steal a game. Mm. Talk about versatility. The dude was the American Athletic Player of the Year, freshman of the year, first team and all freshman team. Totally skill. I mean, the dude has a accolades that just fits perfectly in the way Pat Riley wants to play defensively. He gets four. They're going to have four. He can guard four positions. Pat Riley made a quote that said, I think he fits perfectly in how we want to play. He fits perfectly with supposed system on defense and he gets out on the break. He's fast. He runs. He defends four positions. Miami knows how to use that. This is just a really good pick. Just a good pick. Good value. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, yeah. It sounds like to me that he's going to be the he's going to be the Bam backup, which I mean, having two two guys as athletic as Bam coming at you for 48 minutes a game. Right. That was and something that, that they. Yeah. I mean, them yeah. picking 20 is a crime. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's just let's just say that for a second. Like they were too good to be picking 20th this year. But 
yeah, I think that's every guy I wanted to touch on. Um, we went really in depth on the guys that, you know, I feel like mattered the most, right, in terms of teams that are going to get help. I mean, if the Grizzlies added two guys as good as you said, they're playoff contenders. Like, I think the eighth seed is more than attainable. If Sure, sure. If those two guys, you know, right, because it's always a big crash you, right? And there's a, there's a good chance. Like, I'm not saying this, like, to offend you or anything, but there's a good no. chance you're wrong just because. Oh, yeah. It's so unpredictable, but... Oh, it, well, yeah. I mean, it's just a part of it. It's a part of when you evaluate guys. I do have one question for you, Alex. I have okay. one question for you. And he's from a top three pick. And I want to blast the living crap out of him. But I want to get your thoughts. Okay. Think about LaMelo. Yes. Yes, you knew I was going there. Yes. I mean, you said top what do you, three. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think... What's what's your thoughts on that selection? I mean, it just made too much sense, right? Like, I don't blame Charlotte no, for making no, the pick. No. But here's why, okay? Here's why. What do they have going for them? Yeah. Like, legitimately, what do they have going for them? And yes, I know that this is the worst time to draft a guy that will sell tickets, right? Because. Oh, but legitimately, Charlotte has nothing going for them. No. Like, what do, like, what do they have going for them? Devontae Graham oh. was probably a fluke. Uh, I mean, are you going to like PJ Washington is legitimately probably the only thing they have going for them. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> Listen, one thing you'll know about ball kids is that those kids are like, say what you will about them. Those kids are great passers, right? They're great decision makers. Yeah, they are. You say what you want about them. Right. And they deserve a lot of it. Right. Like Lonzo can't shoot. You know, there's legitimate concerns. It seems like about LaMelo's jump shot, but oh, yeah. But I mean, Lonzo's jump shot looked a lot better this year. His free throw percentage didn't improve much, but the jump shot, like he was able to be, like if they can be Rondo kind of shooters, right? Where they struggle at the free throw line, but they can make open threes. That's going to be good enough. You know, like LaMelo is like a superstar in name only, right? Like, I mean, he's only really a superstar because his last name is Ball. But if he could be like a little bit better than Lonzo, I think this is definitely worth it for the Hornets, right? Like it's a, it's a gamble for sure. But... So we know the draft class is loaded. Oh, I the hype is definitely undeserved, but I mean, oh. the kid went through a tumultuous journey through no fault of his own, right? I mean, like you can't blame him for the path that he took. <laughs> it was mo- like Australia, sure, but I mean Australia by that point that was probably the first real control of his career that he's had. And he got at a big baller, yeah. right? Like I mean, this is going to be a good thing, I think, for like. And we like, um, I don't James Brago. We like James Brago. He's a good coach. He's all right. So I agree. I could see it going well for the Hornets, right? And I could also see it bombing spectacularly in their face. But I don't think, like, I mean, LaMelo is definitely going to win Rookie of the Year. It's either him or Obi Toppin, right? That's, that's the way it seems that it's going to shape out. Oh, no, Alex. Oh, I'm but I mean, sick as you say that. Oh, we, But we know who wins Rookie of the Year, and we know who wins Sixth oh. Man of the Year. Right. Like, it sounds like by all accounts, it sounds like Desmond Bain's probably going to be the best guy coming into the draft. Right. Like, it sounds like he's not the best, but he's going to make one of the biggest impacts on a playoff team. He could. He could. Like, good. Yeah, he could. But I mean, LaMelo is going to come in and put up points. And that's that's how guys win rookie of the year. So and Obi Toppin's going to do the same thing. So. I'd, I'd like LaMelo to the Hornets, right? Like, I'd have rather taken LaMelo third than first. Yeah, I mean, 100%. 
That's for sure, right? Like, I mean, oh was, yeah, <laughs> like nailed it I there. Lamelo's got there. good size. I mean, if he can defend like Lonzo can, then pff, I don't no, know, I man. Don't buy that. I don't buy that though. I just I hate they yeah yuck. I think that whole thing is yuck. If you're the Hornets, it it just God. I can't even. I can't even look. Oh my God. I want to literally throw up as I'm talking about it. This pick, this pick to me, is the exact opposite of how a James Brinko team wants to be ran. You're talking about a team, Alex, who focuses. You bring in a San Antonio Spurs coach to basically replicate what Greg. I'm not saying it works, but you bring in a guy like Borrega to to what? To develop players, to grow players, to get the guys that you have because you like them to be better. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question, Alex. So you have a guy who is the most improved, arguably the most improved player of the year, who comes out of the woodwork last year and looks like a very promising talent. But hey, hey, Alex, I have a wonderful idea. How about we give a guy who shoots, we pick a guy who shoots 20 times a game, who is not a good defender, who is not good enough and worth the potential risk of, you know, Rozier wasn't even that bad for them. Devontae Graham was good for them. What is the what is the logic in ruining Devontae Graham's development, Alex? He's going to get significantly less shots. I understand you're saying about fluke. But Alex, you're the Hornets and you suck. You suck so bad. Why in the world are you trying to ruin the player that looked like he could be most improved player of the year? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna look up Devontae Graham real quick. Okay, we're gonna look up Devontae Graham. Gosh, because okay, let me let me. Not, I didn't want Devin Harris. Are you kidding me? Um, okay, so all the points are well taken, right? Rogier wasn't bad for them, but Devontae Graham is already 25 years old, right? Lamelo is 19. I mean, at a certain point, like you got to match up with PJ Washington's timelines, right? So let's let's just do by month, okay? Because so January, let's just do January, okay? Because we know we had a hard hot start to the season, so let's just do the month of January. Let's see how let's see how well our boy Devontae played. 13 games, 16 points, 36% from the field, 34% from three on nine attempts a game. You see what I'm saying? It kind of fell apart once he started to be, you know, scrutinized. Let's let's do let's do February, okay? Let's do, okay. Let's do February. Okay. So in 10 games, 15 okay. points, sure. 29.8% from three. Sure. Like, and he didn't increase his free throw attempts at all. Right? So sure. what it seems like to me. Okay, is that Devontae Graham had a real Malcolm Brogdon situation last year, right? Remember how Brogdon came out really hot to start the season, right? Like he was putting out Uh 20 point games, 11 assists. And Brogdon started to fall off as he started to decline as the season went along, right? But did you notice what happened with the Pacers? They didn't decline. Hmm. They didn't decline because they were talented. Hmm. The Charlotte Hornets have no talent other than Wiseman, not Wiseman, other than Washington, other than Miles Bridges, who they don't seem intent on keeping. They don't, that's exactly right, Alex. Yeah. Like, I mean, what else do they have? Devontae Graham was like the only guy worth a damn on that roster. So yeah, I understand. Like, like you might be destroying his development, but you also might be helping him out by giving him another guy to take the defense's attention off of him. Like he can't be like, I don't trust Devontae Graham. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just don't. So do you, so are you moving So I guess my question is, are you moving Rogier five seconds after you make this pick? 
I would imagine so. I mean, I don't. I've never been high on Rozier. So I mean, that, he, that guy belongs so, in the two thousands, okay. like the decade, the two thousands. I like him. So let's let's play. I want to play this game. I want to play okay. this game with Terry Rozier, and then you know, with Rozier, if you're the if you're the Hornets. Okay, so you think Lamella Ball? Yeah, makes me sick to say it. You think Lamella Ball is what he is, and you have Devonte Graham. You have a pretty decent one-two punch. That's not bad from a perimeter standpoint in terms of scoring. But if you want to move up Rozier because he's making about thirteen to fourteen million a year, I think there's a team out there that I really like, who I think you could get. Again, this is an if. If they don't like him because he's wanting to be out of there, why would the Brooklyn Nets not look at a guy like Rozier and take if Dinwiddie is just I want out, I want out, I want out, I want out? Do you think there's any possibility they'll go with like Terry in a first for Dinwiddie? No, no, and here's why: because Terry Rozier, you were you were off, you're a little off about the salary, bud. He's making 18 million this year. Well, what's well, Dinwiddie's making what? Like 12 double digits? You're going to have to flip. So you're saying you got to fill in. Some. You got to, you, because that's not, it has to be within 125% of the salary, right? And one, I'm not great at math, but I know that sure. that's not enough, right? Dinwiddie's contract, let's see how much he's making. So he's making, yeah, he's making 11 million this year. So I don't know. I'm like, this is my thing with Rogier, right? He's a fine, Player. I like him. Yeah. But when your best attribute is your rebounding at point guard, <laughs> like when that's your best attribute, I mean, yeah, he shot a career high in field goal percentage this year, which is which is great. You know, like he's never been this in three. Like, but before that, he shot, let's go through his field goal percentages, okay? Before that, he was 27%, 36%, 39%, 38%. This is from the field, Caleb. <laughs> from the field. I don't feel like I'm being completely off base here when I'm saying I don't want a guy who shoots that poorly to be my, you know, to be my centerpiece. No, I, I, I no, definitely not as a centerpiece. I, I just, I, I think with Terry, I just think that there's a team, there's his skill set is better on a contender. It's my, I, and I, I just think that if you can give, if you if you move off of him, I I understand why you would pick. I, I somewhat understand why you would pick Ball, but if if they don't do that, I don't understand. I don't understand why you would sign Terry Rozier to the contract you did if you're just going to go pick another guy in, in in the next draft when Charlotte has problems that are list goes on that are in my opinion incredibly uh, uh, higher up than trying to get guard play. I mean, if Lamella wasn't like if they had four instead of three, Patrick Williams would have made a lot of sense for Charlotte. It would have made total sense for Charlotte. But total, you sense. can't let you can't let this kind of talent, right? Like, you have to be the team that blows it, right? Like, you have to be the team that at least tries with the talent. They haven't. When was the last time Charlotte drafted anybody this talented? Like, as talented as Lamella Ball is, right? Maybe yeah, maybe Kimba. That's the about Ke- it. Kimba wasn't like. Kemba was good coming out of college, but remember how long it took him to become an effective player? Remember right. how bad that first contract looked for him after yeah. like after his restricted free agency? I would yeah. say they haven't drafted anyone this talented probably since probably since Alonzo Mourning. 
Yeah. That's how long it's been. So yeah. Yeah. I don't blame them for swinging, right? Sometimes when you swing, you miss. And that's just how life works, right? Again, another life lesson for you. But I I don't blame Charlotte. I, re- I Like, I really don't because he's 6'7". <laughs> you got to try your luck with a 6'7 guard. I think that's what they tr- – I agree. Who can pass? I think that's what they're trying. Yeah. Like, what and if you lose, so what, right? You wasted four years, whatever. I mean, you're the Charlotte Hornets. It's not like you have the draft capital to just forego. Like you like if this was the Celtics, right? right? If right. this was the Celtics, they right. could totally justify taking whoever the hell they wanted yes, at the top can. of the draft. Yep. They're not the Celtics. They don't have that level no. of talent. No. So you know, good on the Hornets. I think on that note, I think I think it's time to wrap it up. Yep. Um Caleb, I want to thank you. We did like two and a half hours of podcasting today, but brother, it was worth it. Um, I don't know. I don't know when this one's going to come out yet. I'm probably, I'm thinking next Monday or Tuesday, one of those days, but um, Alex and Dylan basketball power hour back on the Wednesday of this upcoming week. But then I'm going to take the week off and Dylan is too, unless you want to get Dylan on the um, NFL show next week or the week after, um, the first week of December, but yeah. I'm taking that week off because I deserve it <laughs> before NBA season. Then Dylan and I are going to come back. We're going to do, we're going to do conference previews. So that should be, that should be fun. We're going to try to keep it yeah. to 90 minutes. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> um, Ooh, wow. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, but check out Linsanity, you know, week 11 podcast should be fun. I mean, it's always, Linsanity is always fun. Um, Linz- <laughs> Linsanity is always great. You're, I love Linsanity. It's one of my favorites on the network. Um, Triple Option Pass, always great. Battleground should be back this week. And then Circle City Cinema, I don't know what they're up to. Zach just gives me episodes. He doesn't really keep me posted. I'm just like, hey, there's an episode of Circle City Cinema. So, Caleb, once again, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day, man. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yep, no doubt. Yeah.